Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. And we're here, we are here to share five things that we learned from the 2022 NFL Combine. Our last conversation about the Combine before we flip the page and we start talking about final thoughts on this class, meaning we've got positional rankings coming soon. Ryan, are you excited to start diving into these positional rankings? It's a lot of fun, man, every single year because, I mean, every, obviously, most of most of all my evaluations are finalized at this point. Like, I have a few more miscellaneous, but mm-hmm. it's just pro day circuit, final evaluations, and the draft. So, it's it's clear sailing from here, man. It's clear sailing. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. That's the fun part, the final thoughts. We'll probably do a mock draft here or there uh, and just some general one-off conversations. Uh, so yep. s- make sure you subscribe to the feed so you don't miss out. That meaning the audio feed, the YouTube feed. We've got a lot of really good content coming as we're two months, pretty much two months, less than two months away from the 2022 NFL draft. So as I've mentioned, today is five things that we learned from the 2022 NFL Combine, meaning things that we took away from the event, general overarching conversation points. And Ryan, the first one is uh, a-, a bit odd, and we we talked about it in our like prediction show of like what to watch for, what to expect that it's seemingly a lot less guys are deciding to participate. And we kind of broke that down and and debunked it, but it actually ended up playing into that, that storyline of less guys are, are not only participating entirely, but a lot of guys would participate in these drills and they would opt out of certain things. So a lot of players didn't do the agility testing a number of guys like Kayvon Thibodeau just ran, and then he was like, I'm, I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. A lot of guys didn't run 40s, especially this quarterback class. There was a lot of decisions, a lot of business decisions to not participate in this stuff. And I, part of me thinks it's these players and these agents saying, we don't like the conditions, so we're going to do everything on our terms. And then also the you know that want to maybe wait until you have the pro day to put out the best number and the importance of these combine, all of these drills – is starting to dwindle a little bit. I think there's a lot of layers to it for why this is happening. I think you hit on one of the biggest was the fact, I mean, we saw the boycott situation where we had 150 players that were threatening to opt out completely outside of like the medicals side of the combine situation. And I think that that definitely does put a, 
I think it puts a bad taste in players' mouths and agents' mouths, to be honest, because, I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about it a ton. I don't think that the how they have formatted the combine now, I don't think it's player-friendly at all because they literally have they literally have weigh-ins, bench press, field work now all on the same day. Like, that's a long day, man. And you can't tell – you can't. You can't stress to me that that is for the player. That is not for the player. That is for no. media. That is for viewership. That is 100% what that is for. So I think that that is a big layer of it, Joe. I really do. I also think, though, that another side of the coin is that, and we've heard a lot of conversation about this, I think GPS technology is starting to take away from the combine drills in general, right? Like they're just uh, – you don't have to – you don't have to verify as much that a guy is fast in the 40 or dash because you can just go to the game film. And there's so much technology now with next gen and like recruiting analytics and like all this different stuff that show you how fast a player is in game. So if we're verifying game speed, that is the greatest indicator of verifying game speed because it's literally yeah. on the film. So I think that's also weighing a part of it. Not being player friendly is weighing a part of it. And I think that it's going to get even worse to be honest, because I don't think that, especially with like, like we saw a lot of guys opt out of like the short shuttle three cone, which for a lot of these positions are the last event. And they're just kind of at that point, like, you know, everybody just wants to see the 40. They just want to see that. They just, that's like the only money maker of the event. So we'll do that for you. But the rest of the thing, we're going to go into an, a comfortable environment at our pro day. And we're going to do those drills. Right. And I think that we're going to continue to see that. And then another part of it, and I'm interested, Joe, and I want to know if you agree with this or not. I think and this is just speculation. I don't know this for a fact. I think that players now are getting and agents are getting smarter in a sense that when they when they obviously when they sign on the dotted line with an agent, I think that they get a draft plan that's like, hey, I'm going to go to the combine and I just want to do these specific drills, like the 40 and then this. And like, so for instance, I'm thinking about, and I don't know if this is Tyreek Woolen's situation. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that, but Tyreek Woolen only ran the 40 and he only did the vertical. I wonder if they devised a plan together that said those are the two things outside of the field work and the general weightlifting program at these at the combine training that we're focusing on. We're not just doing all these different miscellaneous drills. We're going to focus on two, and we're going to do fantastic at those drills. Because I think you mm. saw this year was an uncommon year in terms of 40-yard dash. Like they, Every group, I feel like, across the board tested phenomenally. And we also saw a lot of those players – Decided to opt out of certain other events, right? So is there a departmentalizing, compartmentalizing side of this conversation now where maybe players are saying, I'm only going to focus on a couple things, so I am great at that and not just good across the board. I want to be elite at potentially at one or two of those events. Yeah, I honestly, I think that that does come into play here because this is one of the first years we've seen something like that. And I'd be curious to pick the brain of some of these agents during this this past combine to see if that was part of the approach. Maybe it was also factored in with meeting with whoever they were training with for this the, their, their combine prep and saying, okay, I know I'm going to do well in this, this, and this. More and more guys are not going to do every single drill. So how can I capitalize on the things that I know I'm going to do the best in? And it it's kind of weird to have that approach because it's like, what are you hiding? But at the same time, everyone was geeking out over a four, two, six from Tariq Woolen. And I bet his agility numbers would have been terrible. Probably. And, and uh, like, I even think about it this way, Joe, cause you went through the combine testing thing, right? Like it's, yeah. so for a guy that's a combine participant, it's a two, it's a two stage process. You do your training up into the combine. 
your rest for a few days afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then you go back into the testing, uh, to the combine testing for the pro day prep. Right. So my thought process is maybe guys are just doing, maybe they're just focusing on one or two drills up into the combine, kill those. And then the rest of the time, I don't have to run a 40 ever again. Right. So like, that's where we're going to start really focusing on the short shuttle, the broad jump whatever it is. And then that gives us more added attention only again, only a couple things comparative to a bunch of things. And that's what we work up into the pro day. I feel like people may, I feel like players and agents are getting smarter at this process a little bit. There there's also a lot less time than I think people realize before these guys go to the combine. There is a lot of time before the pro day because you usually the timetable for this is you start at the very end of December or the first week of, of, of January. And a lot of these guys that are at and go to these all-star events, you know, they'll, you'll start training for like a week or two, maybe just a week, or you don't even go at all. You go to your all-star event, you come back, and then you start, recover a little bit while starting, but then you start with that, with that combine prep. And that's like about, you know, like a, what, a month and a month and a half probably for, for these guys to get ready to go to the combine. I, That's not I, a I lot of relative time. Yeah, no, it is. Improvements. I, it, it's not, it's not, not sorry. Sorry. Not the, I was just going to add to your, oh, your thing. Good. I think, I think most of the cycles are usually like a two, two, six week cycles, right? Like somewhere in that ballpark. And then that's kind of the training in general. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and usually, you know, you'll go up until when you go to the combine and then you'll have another month to finalize everything. So I, maybe that is the approach that we're seeing. And I, I'd be curious. I, I think at some point I've already talked to him, but Gare uh, Goodmanson at, at test Academy, I think I'm going to try and get him to come on and talk about that stuff. Cause I'm, I'm super curious if that, if that is an approach that some of these, uh, some of these gyms are taking. So number two, Ryan, to get to the, the second thing that we learned is that these freaking Georgia athletes, man, these defenders are freaking fast and athletic as hell. And it, it, every year we've got a different team, and it's always the team that wins the national championship that puts out a stupid amount of guys in the draft. It was LSU, it was Alabama last year, and this year it's Georgia because they got the freakish athletes. So if you need a player and you're, you know, you're questioning where which guy you should go with, heck, maybe we should start bumping up these Georgia guys with the performances we got from guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Trevon Walker and Lewis Seen and all these freaking guys look so good at the combine and we need to stop doubting them. Yeah. Well, I think my big focus obviously is on the defensive side of the ball, but like for a second here, let's talk about that. You know, George Pickens ran four, four, seven and Zamir white, the running back ran four, four flat and James cook, the other running back ran four, four, two. So like offensive guys were running fast too. But when you talk about that defense, you talk about Trevon Walker at 272 pounds. I think he was ran four, five, one Jordan Davis at three forty one ran four, seven, eight Devonte Wyatt at 300 plus ran four, seven, seven Lewis seen who is a 6'2", 200-pound safety right around, ran 4.37. Darian Kendrick didn't test. N'Kobe Dean didn't test. But, hey, the other two linebackers, Quay Walker at 6'4", 240, or whatever the hell he was, 4.52. And then a backup player, um, their their other linebacker, whose name just escaped my head for some reason. But uh, Channing Tindall. There it is. There it is. Channing Tindall, who didn't start a game for Georgia this year, but is still going to get drafted probably in the first three or four rounds. Runs four four seven. He was a backup linebacker on this team. It doesn't make <laughs> any 
sense, man. And it's, it's, I mean, it's not going to stop because you watch the team this year. They took the first unit off because they rotated a ton. I mean, Jordan Davis won't play 40% of the snaps. They rotate these guys off. And these, the second wave of just freaks comes out here, man. You're just like, what the heck? Like Kelly Ringo, who's a cornerback there that's gonna, that's back in school because he wasn't eligible. He's going to run the four threes next year if he comes out. Guys like Nolan Smith are going to run very fast. The outside linebacker defensive end. Like they just have guys everywhere, man. And it's just absurd to think about. It's absurd to look at. These numbers, I mean, Joe, like honestly, man. Like I remember watching – um, Vita Vea come out, right? And he ran like four, nine, something at like three forty, And you're like, that is nuts, dude. Like that doesn't make any logical sense. Literally a few years. You ran later, a Vita Vea ran a five, one, one was the number. Five, one, one. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I, I was off a little bit. So five, one, one, which is a, just a silly time for, for three forty. Yeah. Yes. And a much different body type than, than Jordan Davis. Cause he's a little shorter. So he's a little stockier. Right. So like, it's, it's still impressive that he ran that fast. But Jordan Davis, dude, being three forty one and running four seven eight, that doesn't make sense. Like it, honestly, I, put him he, at tight end, I, line him up at tight him, end. I'm telling you, <laughs> dude, he was moving, man, and he had like a ten something, ten three broad as well. I'm just like, what is this? Like it doesn't make any sense, man. Just like in the short time over like the last five years, I just feel like athletes are just getting so much faster and so much more athletic in just such a short period of time. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like. I, I mean, I'm trying to quantify it into words, man, but like you just see those numbers and some of those things should not be allowed. It just should not be allowed on a football field, but it's, I think it's going to become a norm <laughs> coming here soon. Like this is just an anomaly. We had two defensive tackles that are 300 plus run four, four, eight, uh, sub four, eight just from the same team. It doesn't make any logical sense, man. It's scary. It's really scary. I can't believe that we're talking about a 340 pound nose tackle running four, seven, eight in the year 2022. It doesn't make any sense. All right, I've got a I got a hot take. I bet yeah. that Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, um, mm-hmm. Trevon Walker, and Lewisine, mm-hmm. after what we saw, those four guys, they all go in the first round. I don't think it's that hot, man. I don't think it's that hot. Really? Like, uh, what did you think I was this- gonna say? <laughs> no, no, no. I thought I thought you were going there after you started it, but I, I don't uh-huh. think it's that hot. I don't because I, I think that. The interior defensive line class is not. Someone's going to. Sure, someone's right? going to disagree with me, but uh, probably that's my the, take. The, it's not a hot take, but it's my take. I respect <laughs> it, man. The the big the big stretch, not the stretch. The big the big talking point about Jordan Davis is going to be he only plays a fraction of the snaps, less than fifty percent, and he's not much of a pass rusher. But after that athletic testing, a, a team is going to say there's more there. Like I, I can find yeah, something. You, past yeah, we can see. Right, you can you can work with him on it, and if he's got that yeah. level of twitchiness and speed and and stuff, mm-hmm. like heck, I'm I'm sure that he's a coachable kid. It's not going to take long right. for him to figure it out. Yeah, you know, and, and Devontae Wyatt, I feel like could definitely sneak into the first. It's possible. I think that's maybe the least likely of the four, but I think it still could happen. Trevon Walker's a no brainer. He's going to go top twenty. Like he. Mm-hmm. Dude, we're talking about uh, Jordan Davis so much because it's in ungodly, right? But at 6'5", 272 with like 35-inch arms, Trevon Walker ran 4'5", 1, and like had like a 40-inch vert. Like, what? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Stupid. So think, that, one's, that one's a slam dunk. And then Lewis seems possible, man, because like I, we talked about yesterday, right, after, after Kyle Hamilton, 
We don't know who the second safety is. And I think the second safety has a chance to go in the first round. And Lewis seen being a 4-3-7 kid with a 41-inch vert at 6-2-200, and he has good film, and he's fast on film, and he's improving every single year, very possible. So I don't think it's that hot. I think it could happen. I really do think it could happen. All right, next one, Ryan. And this one was uh, not shocking, but it, it really – was unexpected that Sauce Gardner, we found out, isn't slow. He runs a 4-4 in that 4-4 range for his 40-yard dash. And that was the big question mark coming in for him. Tall, long corner at six foot three. Mm-hmm. Typically, those guys aren't fast. And yeah. he was so good this past year, was one of the best and statistically the best in the country because nobody was throwing in his direction. But could he yeah. move and keep up with these faster receivers? And he was able to prove that. And that was a really, really important thing for Sauce Gardner's draft stock. Yeah, he's he went into the event as my third-ranked corner behind Andrew Boot Jr. out of Clemson and Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. I liked Sauce. I do. I understand the first-round conversation before this. But, I mean, completely transparency here. I f- didn't think he was fast. I didn't. I had a huge questions. I thought he was going to run 4-5-something. And, like, at 6-3... 190 pounds with 33 inch arms. You can get by being a five, five, uh, five, a four, five, five athlete. Like you could do mm-hmm. that. But the fact that he ran four, four, one at that length, I mean, the kids going top 10, top, top 15 easy. I, I, I yeah. Mean, I don't uh, think I, that's a, I don't think it's a because, stretch. Cause you didn't get a good look at Andrew, but junior, he didn't, he didn't participate in the combine. So I'm sure he's going to blow up his pro day, but like he didn't get a good look at him in an, in an unideal situation. And then Derek Stingley Jr. just got a lot of question marks. He hasn't played basically in two years, barely. And he's had up and down performance when he has been. He's physically gifted as much as anybody in this class, but you just haven't seen it. So I think that there's a safe feel to a guy like Ahmad Gardner, and he checks off just a lot of boxes, man. So good for him. Did not see 4 for one on film. Like, I was hoping he could bang out a 4-5 flat. Like, that was like, okay, if he hits 4-5 flat – I'm good to go, but he's faster than I anticipated. So I think that he can be the first cornerback off the board. I still wouldn't take him as the first cornerback off the board, but if we're just kind of taking a full scope approach here, I think that it's very possible that he could be the first cornerback off the board in April. Yeah. Fantastic to see that number and and the hype surrounding sauce Gardner is going to continue to build up, especially hearing so many positive things of, of him in these interviews and talking to these teams. So He's. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top ten guy, top fifteen guy, especially with with the needs at at corner for some of these these top teams and in, in this year's draft class. So we've got two more, Ryan. We're going to hit on before we do, though. I just want to tell you folks about Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. We've got March Madness coming up soon. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your number one source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ryan. Fourth thing that we learned, and this is one that makes me so happy, and I was tweeting like a deranged maniac about these FCS guys at the Combine. But, man, we learned that these FCS guys, these top FCS guys in this year's class, there's some athletic freaks in this group. And that's something that usually doesn't happen. 
during a yeah. draft cycle. But there is some reason why there's hype around these guys. They get keep getting brought up as as sleepers. And I, I joke about the, you know, everyone calls these guys sleepers because they just don't pay attention to anything except for power five programs, which is yep. infuriating to me. If you follow the draft and cover the draft, you should know about the FCS players that are coming out. And we've got these guys like Trevor Penning, who's possible first rounder. You've got Troy Anderson, now possible day two, Christian Watson, possible day two, Pierre Strong, early day three, Zion McCollum, somewhere in that day three mix. All of these guys tested really, really well. And that conversation about how good these FCS guys are needs to be circulated and stop calling them sleepers because these dudes are absolute monsters. Yeah. And I mean, just to go through some of the numbers real quick. I mean, we had guys that were testing at the top of their positions at, at a lot of events, yeah. right? Like what was it? Pierre strong had what? Four, three, seven somewhere in that ball. Yeah. Tied right? for the tied for the, the best, uh, 40 time for running backs, four, three, seven. Yep. Four, three, seven. Christian Watson runs the four, three, six, and he has the 40 plus inch vert and he does all that good stuff. Uh, for North Dakota State, and he out, honestly outshadowed what Isaiah Weston did during during. Actually, I, I yeah. think I I think Christian Watson actually had like a thirty eight and a half or thirty nine inch vert. Just backtracking for a second, but he out overshadowed okay. what Isaiah Weston did from Northern Iowa. Who uh, man, these Northern Iowa dudes are just ridiculous, man. But he runs four four flat at six three plus two hundred fifteen pounds. He has a forty plus inch vert. He has an eleven foot broad. It's just like nuts numbers, man. Do mentioned Trevor Penning, who runs sub five flat at 330 pounds. Like, again, doesn't make sense for his position. <laughs> and he has, I mean, outside of the vertical, he had just a nice, I mean, nice performance across the board. Cole Strange got overshadowed. He had a good performance all the way around. Yeah. I thought Matt, well, let's go out of North Dakota, had another good showing as well at offensive I line. forgot he was there. <laughs> right. And he's, and I think he's a draftable player out of North Dakota. Like, he's a good football player. And then you went to the defensive side of the ball. You talked about Troy Anderson already, who runs 4-4 something at 240 pounds. Just absolutely crazy blur. jump. Too. Crazy jump. Like, just incredible athlete. Incredible athlete. And I kind of expected it just with his track background that he was going to test really well, but like he even exceeded my expectations. Zion McCollum, who we haven't talked about yet, but at a 6-2 corner that had a 4-3-3-40 and a 40-inch vert, like, okay, more freak of nature. Did I just miss somebody, right? Wasn't there another defensive back that just put the world on fire? Or am I missing somebody? I, Wait, I thought you I was missing call, um... Oh, you know who else? You know who else? Um, Kobe Durant from South Dakota yes. State. He's a smaller yes. guy, but yeah. he ran like 4-3-3. Like, he was mm -hmm. blazing fast in the 40. So, these SCS guys, man. They came to play, and it was a high volume. It wasn't just like one or two FCS players stole the show. Like It was, what did I just name, seven, eight guys that were just at the top of their positions, respectively. So shout out to FCS football, man. It's starting to change, I think, a little bit of the, the discourse a little bit, you know, because people always just assume that they are low level of competition. They can't compete with the Power Five. They can't compete with the FBS, like all that type of stuff. But they showed us. They have athletes, man. They have a lot of them. This could be a historical year for FCS prospects in 2022. Yeah, I heck, I'll you know, I'll keep saying it. Don't sleep on the FCS because there are absolutely some dudes at that level. So keep an eye on those prospects. Last one that we have, and it's Ryan's favorite talking point. The last oh thing God. that we learned is that we learned nothing about these quarterbacks because all we got was most of them not athletically testing. And then <laughs> The weird thing about like you're watching these throwing drills 
and everyone's like getting all excited watching Carson Strong and Malik Willis throwing these deep balls. But then like the next time that they throw, they're overthrowing people and it's completely off target. It's just like, what the hell are we, what are we watching? I, I, I have no idea who's the top quarterback. I, I feel like it's, it is so open-ended at this point, and whoever you end up taking is probably not going to be a very good result. <laughs> well, I, I'd say the biggest winner at, at the Combine is players that we don't know, right? Because it depends on how they did in the meeting rooms. We have no idea who those guys were. We haven't heard anything negative coming out of the week, so I assume that everybody across the board was pretty solid in the meeting rooms. But this this environment is not for quarterbacks. It's just not. It, is, it isn't. I mean mm-hmm. – you got the scripted throws and, you know, as long as you're not awful, it's fine. But like you said, quarterbacks rarely test anymore. We didn't get to see Malik Willis test it, test, but you, you know, he's a freaky athlete. Kenny Pickett was just fine across the board athletically. I mean, Desmond Ritter, I guess, I, I guess you could say is the biggest winner from an athletic perspective because he ran what, four, five, two had a 36 inch vert. So like yeah. he's a really good athlete, but again, I, I don't think that, I think most people expected him to be a good athlete. Like nobody, I think, went into the com- the the uh, the combine and was like, "Man, I wonder how good of an athlete Desmond Ritter is." Like that's not the concern when you watch Desmond Ritter on film. So I don't know if we can coin anybody a winner. I guess it would be Desmond Ritter just for the athletic testing part of the conversation. But just in general, I think if there's a takeaway from this event, it's that it's a hard place for quarterbacks just in general to to you know kind of piece together huge momentum it's it's more mm-hmm. like a if you had a really good all-star game you don't want to kill your momentum going into the combine it's not so much that you can create more momentum at the at the combine that's not usually how that those types of situations work so just think that we just left feeling kind of the same way we didn't about the quarterback it's like you you had some guys you liked you still like them you had guys you didn't you still don't it's not no, no needle really got moved this week in my opinion mm-hmm. at the quarterback position yeah, it's still going to be a pick your poison. Hopefully, whoever you end up going with for these quarterbacks or, needed teams. Or pick your flavor. Would you, would you stop pick being so pessimistic? Pick I'm going to be flavor, pessimistic. Not pick your poison. I'm going to be pessimistic. Draft a defensive player. Don't draft a quarterback, whoever you are. <laughs> Even if you need a quarterback, draft two defensive players. That's what it's you got to do. It's not, it's not a bad idea, man. It's not a bad <laughs> ideology, to be honest with you. All right, that's a good note to wrap us up on, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in at NFL Prospects Pod on Twitter, at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and hit riseanddraft.com. Thanks, folks, and we will talk to you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.